it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to this, this is the Often Daunted Podcast with me, Burke White. Thank you so much for giving me the listen because this is a tough one to recap. This is going to be an episode in which we we fight through so that we can get onto the Kansas preview. But as I do each episode, I'm going to be recapping the game we just saw, this one being the absolute trouncing of our guys in Atlanta. Right after that, I'll be getting into the Indiana news. Then I'll be getting into some of the Big Ten Conference news out there, some of the results around the conference, before getting into that upcoming Kansas preview for you. So yeah, we're, this is usually the part of the show where following a win, I would play the song, but alas, no song to be played today. No song to be played today as I'm sitting here recording on Tuesday night. I uh, got in from my flight from Atlanta Sunday following just a, a great, great trip with my friends, but a, a great trip centered on a tragic event, that being Indiana's 76 to 104 loss to Auburn. So, hey, thank you for joining me. Misery loves company, so I do appreciate you sticking around, giving me a listen here. Um, Without further ado, let's get into the slog that was that game. I want to say that, I I, I genuinely want to say that we can just, like, throw this game out and move on. But really, we we can't. This was bad. This This was downright terrible. And just more and more performances like this in environments like that are now becoming a characteristic of this program. What, what What is the inability to show up for these neutral site games? If we want to do anything in March, like, there are only neutral site games. I, I, I felt like a damn fool sitting there with my old college buddies, all of us having just flew from our various locations around the country, having went to this neutral site game with an optimism that this game would be, this game could be different. This game could be different than the last handful of neutral siders. Why, 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 why the hell did I think that? What possesses me to think these things? What game in recent history would tell me the Hoosiers could win that? That was just a half-hearted effort from a squad out of their depth. Auburn had the horses ready to run the whole 40, and Indiana could not keep up throughout this one. Auburn was constantly looking to get out and get their shots quickly, and the Hoosiers just routinely couldn't find themselves on the defensive end without having time to settle into that side of the floor. And Auburn shooters took full advantage of that fact. I mean, we were off to a hot start there. It was looking good for the boys. After grabbing the 12-point lead in the first half, Indiana just stopped playing altogether. It, it just seemed like it just fell off. At, at that 12-point lead, Mike figured it would be a good time to do that. Uh, Mike figured it would be a good time to sub out all three frontcourt players, roughly pressing a reset on anything our frontcourt got going in this one, which was, was good. We, we got out there and we got going. But yeah, man, the platoon subbing is just ridiculous. I thought we had fixed it a little last game, but man, we were right back into it in this one. When you do that platoon subbing, there is no continuation of tempo. It is, it is a factory reset on what we are doing out there. And I, I just don't see how we can consistently afford to take all those guys off the floor at the same time if, if we absolutely don't have to. It's like keep those guys, keep one of those guys, one of those three on the floor at all times. I mean, especially when the Indiana guards are being outscored at the rate they were outscored by Auburn's guards, 63 to 21 in this one. How, how do we even contend in that kind of situation against it was ugly, folks. It was ugly. This isn't going to be a fun recap. I'm going to try to find some silver linings in this, but uh, really this one, I'm, I'm recording this Tuesday night because following my uh, flight home, I arrived and immediately found a sick two-year-old with my wife, and uh, after assuming that she had been taking care of her for long enough, I uh, did what I could to help out Sunday night, 
following that Monday, she was even more sick. So uh, wife stayed home during the day, took care of her then. So I had to put in my time and once I got home. So I do appreciate you holding out, giving me the time to get this episode together, uh, gather myself, and uh, really just slog through this Auburn game. I mean, wh- there's no other way for a fan of this team to go through this. Like, it's, it's, it was painful to watch. It's going to be painful to recap, but I'm here for you. <laughs> Let's get through it together. Oh, uh, Yeah, back to the Indiana guard. 63-22, to 22, that is like a insane stat that Auburn's guards are able to do that, and ours just aren't able to get anything going defensively uh, yeah the 63 points that's a large a large reason for that is the Hoosiers effort defensively it just looked at like every single Hoosier showed up to Atlanta with a case of the COVID just just half-hearted defense that looked much more half-hearted when compared to what Auburn was bringing to the table in the second half Auburn was able to score more than a point and a half per possession that is absolutely tragic effort just tragic defensive pressure I shouldn't say effort I go really just felt in that building like there wasn't much fight in the Hoosiers and I, so I'm going to use words like effort a lot in this one. God bless it. I love this team, but that was just, it just sucks. It sucks. This fan, yeah, I mean, this fan base is hurting for a team that can roll into these buildings and throw down and it can bring, I don't know if it's focus. I don't know if it's effort. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't played basketball. They are, all these guys are far more gifted than me in that regard. But man, it just, if they could just bring a sense of competitiveness, like there wasn't that in this game. Didn't look like they, they wanted to compete. It, it stunk. The Hoosiers allowed for Auburn to convert the three at an absurd rate. On their 29 attempts from beyond, the Tigers sank 14, and that spells doom for a Hoosier team that looks to work the ball inside. Like, even when trying to claw back into games, the Hoosiers are going to be working the ball inside because that's our reliable option. And God bless Malik Renew, and God bless Khalil Ware, because they are usually reliable. They are reliable. But if we allow anyone to shoot at that rate from beyond, the Hoosiers and the way they currently play ball, the way they currently built as a team, are all but out of any game that that happens in. And you know, the whole time I'm watching that, I'm just like, who, who the hell can break it down and deliver like an Ivory Christian? If you guys know Friday Night Lights, you know Ivory Christian. An Ivory Christian moment on this team. Like, I don't know what goes on in the locker room, but who's going to bring the, like, call to fight in any fight back in any moment in, in these neutral site games? The Ivory Christian, you know, the, the, man, how sorry are y'all? They went through two days, we went through two days, in 110 degree heat! Who, who's delivering that? We need somebody to. We obviously need somebody to bring it. Indiana just can't in these neutral site games, and it's it's frustrating. It's a growing trait of this program, and uh, man, short short of an exorcism, I don't know what it's, what it's going to take. This team has r- real demons at this point when it comes to neutral sites, and if we want to be going out and getting the top guys, getting guys who want to be in a winning program, like we need to start winning those games. We need to show out in those opportunities, and yeah, this was just a huge swing and a miss for the Hoosiers. Indiana just looked lifeless, and the turnover battle speaks volumes to that. Indiana turning the ball over 12 times and Auburn turning it over three. That didn't bode well for the points off of turnovers either. You know that it couldn't as the Hoosiers lost the battle in points off turnovers 15 to two. If this team cannot shoot the ball from the three, they need to be more and more active on the defensive end in order to subsidize the difference in total potential production that our two point heavy team goes into games with, especially when they're going into games against three point heavy teams like the Sovereign team was. And say what you will about X. You love him, you hate him, whatever. I, I love Xavier Johnson on this show. And this this is game eight. Like, Xavier Johnson's absence was viscerally felt in this game. For better or worse, X is the only guy on this team right now equipped with a mentality to bite back, even while down a shit ton of points to the other side. And we needed somebody who was willing to bite back, that, bite back when down a shit ton of points in this game. His presence wouldn't have changed, like, the overall outcome by any means of this one. Don't, don't think I'm that ridiculous. I'm very optimistic on this show. But I'm not that crazy. 
but I genuinely think it would have made this game a bit more respectable. With X out and Trey having to lead the backcourt into this battle in a neutral site, you would have loved to see him get more minutes in this game. 22 minutes for the only captain currently available is upset, upsetting. It's it's upsetting, especially when the team was seemingly absent, a motivating factor throughout a large portion of this game. He was sad early with two fouls in the first half, but man, what Aiden Holloway was doing from the arc. We needed anyone to be able to fight through a screen. Foul or not, let it ride to stay in these games. A, a, a crap load of fouls or not, like... Let it ride to stay in these neutral site games. Why are you saving Trey? <laughs> we need to keep the game close if we want to like have a decent showing. We need to play him. We need somebody to contest Aiden Holloway in this one. And you just really wish that it was Trey who was able to get a few more minutes than he had that uh, could have provided something akin to fuel on that side of the ball. And I don't want to just trash these guys. Like Malik Renu is the youngest leader there may have ever had to be on a Indiana Hoosier team. But he's unquestionably one of these this team's leaders. He He's one of these this team's leaders. He's one of the, I mean, most well-versed in the program now that we had so many people leave last year. And you just... Yeah, he just wished development in mentality could come a little quicker. I mean, you just wish his tendency to get down in adversity. He gets down on himself. He he wants to do his best for this program, and I I, I commend him so much for that. But but he does it he does it by getting down on himself a lot, and I just wish that his tendency to get down on himself was shifted a little to where he was more inclined to get mad at that adversity. Not not at his teammates, but just mad at the situation. Anger is a hell of a fuel. I mean, I don't know about his game. I bet he has to be very poised in how he has his touch down low. I don't, I don't know, guys. I'm just talking. <laughs> but I'm just like, man, don't get sad. Get mad. Janai Broom and the rest of the front court were giving Malik Fitz down low, resulting in a less than typical rate from the floor for him, going 6 for 13 for 15 points on the night. He really did come out of the gate and really started to put it together out of that second half, out of the start of that second half, but it just still wasn't enough when trying to navigate the barrage of production that the Tigers were hitting the Hoosiers with. Kalel Ware was off from the floor throughout this one, two for eight on the day with 13 points and eight rebounds. Kalel's finesse game did not translate against a team whose style is built on being more athletic and stronger than you, especially when that defense could absolutely target him and Malik, knowing that the backcourt wasn't bringing nothing to worry about into Atlanta that day. But no, but no, like no, nobody brought it into this game. I mean, with Kalel missing six shots on the day, one from three, and Malik missing seven, one from three. That was a total of 28 points missed. Even had our guys been perfect on the day, that's still a tie score at 104-104. With everything that went wrong in this game for the Hoosiers across the board, like it, it's it was there were so many problems throughout it. Even if those two, with with our game plan being get them the ball and get them to get some attempts around the rim, even if they had hit everything, it's still a tie game. McKenzie started the game great and looking to compete, like he really did. He came out and I, I yeah I, I, we were we were all buzzing. Then, then it just seemed the moment the rest got to him, uh, he just began to fall off a bit. He began to almost lose any edge that he was going onto the floor with. His three-pointers just weren't taken with the same confidence, and he just let, what, like he was left looking shook after Auburn got rolling. Uh, I, hey, I'm so glad McKenzie has started to figure it out in regards of how he will contribute to this Hoosier team. Like this Hoosier team's bottom line every game, like he's starting to find his production. He really is, and I credit the hell out of him for that. But 10 points in his 22 minutes on the floor on two for eight shooting with all but one of those attempts coming from behind the three point line just isn't enough for who unfairly or not will have to be responsible for more if the Hoosiers are going to be able to compete with schools like this away from Assembly Hall. We need to keep getting through these pains with McKenzie. We absolutely do because his ability to get his own shot is entirely absent from the floor when he's not on it. I mean, Kalel has that sweet ass step back in the paint like it's it's a work of art and Kalel was off in this one. But again, even if he wasn't, still a tie game. I mean, just here, here's hoping that we can continue to get closer and closer to it just 
clicking for McKenzie. Him realizing he is one of the baddest men on that floor. He is, genuinely. That kid is a hooper. He is a hooper. You can't tell me otherwise. Just it's an aura about him on the floor. And once that once that realization kicks in and he, he figures it out, man, it's going to be a thing of beauty. I'm hoping that we get it sooner than later. If you were looking for one glimmer of hope through this game, it was probably Gabe Cups going four for six from the field, going two for three from deep. Let's look for some silver linings here. And uh, Gabe Cups offered one of the few to be had as he had his most productive outing of the season. 11 points, five rebounds, two assists. Extremely respectable for Gabe who was not supposed to be asked to play 31 minutes a game as he did in this one prior to this season getting kicked off and X going down. 31 minutes for our freshman point guard was the highest distribution of minutes in this one, with him tying Malik for minutes played. Credit to Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker continued to show that he has gotten a handle of himself, and he did find ways to contribute here. Nine points, five rebounds, all in only 13 minutes. Give him more minutes. There was There were points in this game where he looked like one of the only ones like who could get anything for the Hoosiers at one point. Woody still looking to pull him out was just wild to me. And we needed anything when we were down like that. And Anthony Walker was starting to show that he could give some. It, it was a bummer. It was a flat performance from our boys. I'm not going to invest too much into it. These neutral site games are killing me. But, I mean, credit to the Auburn side, I guess. I guess we have to give them a little credit. I mean, Bruce Pearl came into that game with bullets on bullets to take down the Hoosiers. 10 deep, like he was rolling 10 deep with guys who could put the ball in the bucket. It's a credit to his ability to construct a roster and quite the juxtaposition from what Indiana has, has done to fill out ours so far. He subbed quickly and often, and the Tigers were so much more equipped to play in the run-and-gun style that Auburn established this one to be. And again, I, I spoke of Aiden Holloway just draining him earlier, but Aiden Holloway came into this game and made me so damn jealous of what the hell a freshman who can produce in your backcourt brings to your team. That dude was incredible, and the Hoosiers did next to nothing to stop him. Seven for ten, seven for 11, sorry. Seven for 11 on the day, including five for eight from three, as well as a perfect five for five from the line. He, he had it all going. And in comparison, the Hoosier backcourt looked like children against a freshman. 24 points all in 22 minutes. Like, what, what the hell? Also, Indiana, if someone is that hot, and you continue going under screens, I'm going to sue you for all the necessary hair plugs I will need, because I'm going to rip my hair out. Now that I got all that out of the way, <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, rattle through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and then just like let's just bury this one deep. Let's uh, bury this one. But I I I want to say that, but then I don't want them to forget that we need to find a way to show up in these neutral site games. We can't keep getting excited as a fan base, showing out just painting a town cream and crimson for just to feel like this consistently. It sucks. It sucks. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's get on with it. All right, so the good Gabe Cup sort of finding out a way to get uh, some semblance of an offense going for himself. Again, he was never asked to do this when we recruited him. Like, he, he was never asked to be a stabilizing force for a Big Ten program as a freshman. That's far too much to ask from him. I believe that he will be that in time. But uh, yeah, just for what his expectations were coming into this season, that is a lot to ask from him. But good to see that he was able to find the bucket and uh, get himself some points in this. Get some points under your belt. Let's keep let's have a snowballing effect there. The bad in this one, the platoon substitutions rearing their head again. Honestly, I thought that that was not great. And Indiana losing the mountain of momentum that it had to start the game. And lastly, the downright ugly. Downright ugly, the defensive effort and the backcourt production as a whole. I am so, like... <sighs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going to dig into it too much. You guys have heard all of them already discuss it. This is just a fan venting with you. <laughs> venting with you. Like, again, this is, I advertise it right on the cover of this podcast. Ignorantly optimistic perspective on the Indiana Hoosiers. Man, it's it's very hard to be optimistic after that objective ass whooping they gave us. 
your Showalter Fish of the Game. I'm going to give it to Malik Renew. Yeah, I'm still giving out a Showalter Fish of the Game. We got we got raced out of that building, but I'm still giving out a Showalter Fish of the Game. This one goes to Malik Renew. Overall, there wasn't much more to appreciate across, like, across the board. Just one final thought on that game. I am so grateful that Mike Woodson has gotten the program to schedule big neutral games like this one. I, I truly am. I am. Like this one, like the UConn one prior. I just wish that this team was ready to get up for these kinds of occasions. Playing in Assembly Hall is awesome. I mean, it's got to be easy to be motivated in that building. But again, if we if we want to do anything in March, there isn't a single game in that tournament that's played in Assembly Hall. Indiana's going to have to find a way to compete on neutral sites if this program wants to become anything substantial, anything of prominence again. Oh, thanks for pushing through that one with me, guys. I am so, like, I, guess what? I just did. I moved on. It's done. Let's get on to that Indiana news for you. Little bit of Indiana news. Uh, Five-star Bryson Tiller will be visiting for the matchup with Kansas. This is the number seven overall recruit from the class of 2025, a 6'9 forward from the overtime elite program, uh, along with that visit as well. Joson Sannon will be visiting Bloomington this weekend as well. The top 15 guard from the class of 2025 is a very real candidate to reclassify to the class of 2024 and stands to bring a ton to any program that gets him. At six foot five inches, he is the number four shooting guard in the class of 2025. And with these two in the building, I just want to say, hey, need to have a strong showing in the hall for these guys, especially with Joson Sannon um, visiting Kansas the very next weekend. And just one other piece of Indiana news, Mike Woodson spoke on the Inside Indiana Basketball Radio Show with Don Fisher this week, where he spoke about Ja'Kai's chances of playing this season. And I've spoken in previous episodes about how I might be the president of the Ja'Kai Newton fan club. I love that what this, like, his game is explosive. It is. You watch his highlight reel, <laughs> yeah, I mean, any highlight reel is going to pop, but he, he, I really thought that we could use his talents this year, possibly, if, if things got as desperate in the backcourt as they look to be. But unfortunately, some bad news from Mike, and uh, some bad but expected news. It didn't sound all that optimistic for his return this season. But Mike had said on the show, Unfortunately, he's not going to probably play this season because of the knee injury. So we just got to get him ready this summer and get him ready for the next season. I haven't made that decision for sure yet, but it looks like it's heading that direction. Following that Auburn game, Indiana slides to number 76 overall in the Ken Palm rankings currently. With our offense heading up, with our adjusted offense heading up to number 80 ranked nationally and our adjusted defense heading to 76 nationally. Just wanted to include the uh, latest Ken Palm for Indiana uh, in the Indiana news section from here on out. Let's get on to that Big Ten news and some Big Ten results for you. In, in controversial Michigan news, uh, maybe Juwan Howard's in hot water? Uh, per the Detroit Free Press, rumor began to swirl shortly after Michigan's 90-80 victory over Iowa at Carver-Hawkeye Arena that Howard had a physical altercation with Sanderson, the uh, team's strength and conditioning coach. The Detroit Free Press continued, though the extent is still not clear, various reports indicate Howard and John Sanderson, program strength and conditioning coach, had a confrontation on Friday. And according to The Athletic, the incident is being reviewed by the university and was not physical, which temporarily dispelled some early rumors that punches were thrown. The Detroit Free Press went on to add that the university spokesman, Kurt Svoboda, has no comment at this time. And in regards to this happening, whether this event happened or not, like, Juwan Howard's history as a coach in the conference wouldn't really point to him getting the benefit of the doubt here. So it will be interesting to see how his return to the sidelines in Michigan continues with just the way that that team's been performing, with the way it's built. He may already be in hot water. But, yeah, just a, just crazy, dramatic action from Michigan, who just makes crazy, crazy, dramatic action across all avenues of sport. 
that's really the only Big Ten piece of news I got for you. So let's get into the results. Uh, congrats to Rutgers and their fan base for landing two of the three top recruits in the country. The Dylan Harper commit is going to the Dylan Harper commit is huge for a fan base that must be ready to mail in the season following a slaughtering at the hands of Wake Forest. 76-57. to 57. Hitting 4 for 8 from deep, Kevin Miller snagged 23 points for the Demon Deacons. In the battle for the Big Ten basement right now, Maryland was against the wall, having to take Penn State into OT at home. Julian Reese with 24 points, Jameer Young with 28, as those two had to do everything for the Terps to secure the 81-75 to 75 overtime victory. Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale Jr., and Jameson Battle continued to look like a well-developed, well-equipped trio that can take the Buckeyes far this season. And uh, they didn't let down initially this week as uh, Ohio State beat Miami of Ohio 84-64 to in Columbus. Zed Key was able to add to his sixth man of the year campaign as he was able to come off the bench for, with, for a double-double with 13 points and 10 rebounds. Ohio State was then upset as they allowed an 18-point second-half lead to slip away in University Park as Kanye Clary led the effort for the Nittany Lions with 19 points, and Ace Baldwin was able to complete the comeback with a three-drained with 32 seconds remaining on the clock. Final score for this one was Penn State 83, Ohio State 80. Saturday, the Wisconsin Badgers' hot game streak hit a skid when they rolled into Tucson to take on the number one and the unquestionably best-looking team in the country in the Arizona Wildcats, as Wisconsin could not survive the offensive onslaught of the Wildcats, who had each starter hit double digits to a final score of 98-73. to Following Dobering game, at home against Creighton, Nebraska headed to Minnesota in a potential ba- bounce-back game, only to be kicked to the ground again by Minnesota, who didn't even have Dawson Garcia for most of it, as early into this one, he turned his ankle and could not go here. It was production by committee as five Golden Gophers got to double digits in Minnesota's 76-65 to win over Nebraska. Nebraska followed up that loss with a victory in their second Big Ten outing Sunday, as they were able to keep Michigan State winless in Big Ten play to the tune of a 77-70 to final score at home. Madi Sissoko and Cam Cooper combined for two points from the center position as Michigan State still looks lost almost halfway through December. Michigan State now stands at 4-5 and five on the season, and I honestly don't know where, where they are able to turn for frontcourt production here on the brink of the Big Ten really getting going. Like, as down bad as we thought we are losing a neutral site game to Auburn, man, if we had the expectations of that Michigan State fan base right now, I bet we would be losing our, we'd be losing our minds because it, it toughs, it, times are tough in East Lansing right now. Following taking down Nebraska, Minnesota was able to handle Florida Gulf Coast a bit more handedly than the Hoosiers had. As Sunday, the Golden Gophers beat the Eagles 77-57, even with Dawson Garcia out with an ankle injury, as Joshua Ola-Joseph led the effort for Minnesota with 17 points going 3-4 for four from deep. Illinois lost Saturday in Tennessee, as Dalton Connect led the Volunteers with 21 points, and the Vols won 86-79. After a career day with 33 points in the game prior, Domask was off for the day, going 2 for 11 from the floor. If he finds his average conversion, this could have been a huge stolen win in enemy territory for the Illini. Iowa played Iowa State earlier last week. Iowa State had a 30-2 point lead on points in the paint. Iowa State just kept it on the whole game, ending with a final score of 90-65. to And uh, Iowa does not have the token three-point shooting that they once had. They're going to have to find a way to score on the inside if they want to be able to compete in the Big Ten. Um, That being said, it's also the only head that uh, Mike Woodson hasn't collected from his Big Ten opponents. And uh, here's hoping that this year's our opportunity to do so. Iowa then took on the Michigan Wolverines at home, where Michigan forced Iowa to the 0-2 basement of the current Big Ten standings with Michigan State at this point, with Terrace Reed Jr. leading the Wolverines production in this one with 19 on 7 for 10 from the floor. Really speaks volumes to the interior weakness of this Iowa team, 
who isn't making up for it with their usual barrage of threes converted. Final score, Wolverines 90, Hawkeyes 80, as the Hawkeyes shot 25% from deep. In their lone game since our last recording, the Northwestern Wildcats destroyed Detroit Mercy 91-59, even as Boo Booey posted a five-point night going two for nine from the floor. As the Hoosiers were crapping down their thigh against their own SEC opponent, the Purdue Boilermakers took on and beat the Alabama Crimson Tide 92-86 in Toronto. Zach Eady was able to tie his season high with 35 points in his return to his hometown Toronto. Those are all your results for this last uh, since the last time we recorded. Um, actually, oh, no, we have uh, two finals from today. Sorry, hey, just want to throw on these because yeah, I'm wrapping up. Like I record late and Tuesday's games just wrapped up. Minnesota. Beating IUPUI 101 to 65, Maryland holding their opponent to the same in a now one and nine Alcorn State, as Maryland wins 105 to 65. With those results in the book, I'm going to share a word for my partner, and then I will be digging into the Kansas preview. Following that Kansas preview, I will make sure to get you out of here with a Hoosier history hit. So stick around. Thank you so much. The Alton Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, a collection of Big Ten podcasts, uh, writers. Go check out the blog, big, bigbantersports.com. Um, just been really cool working with with everyone on this team. And uh, group chats are getting pretty fun, as some of us are having far more fun than others. But nonetheless, it is a good time mixing it up with our brothers here in the Big Ten. If you haven't followed them, they are at Big Banter Sports. If you haven't followed me, at Often Daunted, on all socials out there, at Often Daunted. Everywhere at Often Daunted, thank you so much. If you like the show, please feel free to leave a review. Feel free to leave a rating. If you hate the show, forget I said anything. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate the hell out of it. You guys are the best, and uh, thank you. All right, so with with Auburn dead and gone, out of our mind, out of our mind with Auburn gone, let's uh, get into some preparation for this Kansas opponent. And before I continue on with this preview, of Kansas, personally, is one of my just, can't stand them. But <laughs> before I continue, I just need to say, for those who don't know, welcome to the Often Taunted Podcast, where we where we recognize Bill Self for the quote-unquote gangster he is. That definition of gangster being the one that would point to one that willingly delves into an environment of cheating and violence in order to justify his own ends. Yeah, if you know all the incidents, you know. Historically, since 19... <laughs> Let's just get right into it. I'm so done. All right. This is going to be fun, guys. This is... <laughs> God, I just want to beat Kansas so bad. I want to beat Kansas so bad. We need this. We need this. Especially after Atlanta. We need this. Let's get into that history on this game. Historically, since 1950, Indiana and Kansas have played 14 times, splitting the series in half, flipping winners in each of the last four meetings. Kansas is coming into Assembly Hall Saturday the 16th with a 9-1 record on the season. Currently ranked 10th in Ken Palm with the number 32 adjusted offense and the number 7 adjusted defense. With that loss coming as a 14-point lopsided loss at the hands of Marquette. But, I mean, yeah, I needed to throw that jab in there, but their team's absolutely humming at this time. Hence the number 2 ranking they currently hold. Offensively, they have been elite with an effective field goal percentage of .586 at this time. Good for 8th in the nation with a field goal percentage of 52.7. Good for 2nd in the country. And they currently rank number 1 in assists per game as a team with 22.1. Right now, the ESPN matchup predictor has Kansas with the 66.8% chance of getting the victory in Assembly Hall, which to me speaks volumes to the masses' belief in Assembly Hall's home court advantage. Because you would think that Kansas would be a far further favorite if this were anywhere else. Anywhere else. Kansas, if this was a neutral site game, 
I bet it would be Kansas 95, Hoosiers 5. But Assembly Hall will provide the squad some fuel, and, and I think that ESPN's matchup predictor, whoever that is, whatever, whatever ESPN dork that is, that controls that, that spits out those numbers for everybody. They, they're giving Assembly Hall quite a bit of credit here if they have the Hoosiers' chances of winning at 33.2. I'll take it. That's a shot, baby. After having beat their short, shared border rival, Missouri, 73-64 to 64 at home, Kansas is going to be looking to come out and make an example of the Hoosiers team that was just made an example of by the Auburn Tigers. In regards to Kansas's current roster construction, as far as depth goes, this may be one of Bill Self's lighter squads in quite some time. In the Missouri game, four of Kansas's starters were tasked with 35 minutes or more. And with, with that being the case, honestly, I bet Bill Self is kicking himself right now for having used a spot on Arterio Morris. Even though he had willingly chose to ignore any and all red flags when going after that young man, they could, they could genuinely use anyone worth a damn right now to help complete their objectively thin roster compared to prior seasons. As Kansas has not gotten their typical haul of production from their uh, bench players compared to prior seasons. But what they do have is K.J. Adams. K.J. Adams had a great game against Missouri. Uh, just continuing a tear of great performances by the 6-7 forward. 18 points, 18 points, and 17 points in his last three games on roughly 60% shooting from the field. He possesses this little push shot kind of thing like the one uh, Anthony Walker has begun utilizing to some success. That, it, But he can he can use it to destroy a team if you sag off of him in the middle of the floor. He's a, he is a tight cover because he can if he's getting in the mid-range, he's going to hit it with that push floater, and uh, he can bludgeon a team with it. Hunter Dickinson's, yeah, on to Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson's been flopping his brains out with the highly lauded thespian Samuel L. Jackson putting it as well as anyone when he took to his socials in his last post on X at the time of this recording, saying, damn, this Dickinson MF on at KU Hoops flops like he's on a soccer pitch. And to Mr. L. Jackson, I say I agree. He flops like a madman, but he does so to great success while putting up some insane numbers on the board. Averaging a double-double on the season with 19.4 points per game and 12.6 rebounds per game, Hunter Dickinson is the same Hunter Dickinson we've always known Hunter Dickinson to be. It just seems like Bill Self is far better at scheming a team around him than Juwan Howard was. Coming off of the Missouri game, where he had 13 points and 16 rebounds, I imagine Hunter is going to want to upset every Hoosier fan in attendance after the years of abuse we've hurled his way while he was at Michigan. But I want to beat the hell out of any team this guy is on. Please do not let his smug ass get the win in Assembly Hall. Please don't let that be the case. Kevin McCuller, I mean, Kevin McCuller has been on a tear all season long. All season long. 19 points per game, 7.1 rebounds, 5 assists a game. He can do it all for the Jayhawks. After being projected to go halfway through the second round in last, season, last year's NBA draft, McCuller has stepped up each facet of his game a game that was by all measure an already complete one. A relentless backcourt defender who distributes at a high rate can attack the rim and is currently knocking down threes at a 38% clip. He, it is going to be a big question as to who is going to be able to step up and slow down his production. If Indiana rolls out with a defensive effort anywhere near as lax on the perimeter as it was in Atlanta, we are in trouble. Another guy worth mentioning, freshman guard L. Marco Jackson is coming off of his first game with double-digit points, having been unable to really get the offensive game going prior to Missouri, but this kid is lightning fast. This kid is, he, he possesses incredible speed, and at 6'3", he is an elite athlete with an ability to create off the dribble. Indiana may have their hands full trying to limit his ability to get the ball to the rim. And last name I wanted to mention here in the Kansas preview was uh, Nick Timberlake. Nick Timberlake was a name that plenty of Hoosier fans were hoping would commit to us here in Indiana during the portal season. But he chose to take his talents to Kansas, 
where now, halfway through December, many Jayhawk fans are still waiting on those talents to bear any real production from the hype transfer. Currently averaging 3.5 points in 11.4 minutes per game, he hasn't found near the footing Kansas fans have hoped for. But nonetheless, this just seems like an individual who, through the universe's consistently sick jokes on my favorite sports teams alone, would of course show up in this game and be a catalyst for their win here. So I just wanted to throw that name out because he's been under the radar. We've heard that we've... (laughs) I mean, we heard all offseason that this kid, he has the shooting. He's hes a nice piece for your team. And it just seems like, of course, he would be the one to break out in Assembly. Like, Assembly Hall would be his game to break out to absolutely crush us emotionally. <laughs> That's just the way the world works, it seems. <laughs> just just one more name I wanted to throw out. Heading into this one, guys, I, I, I feel confident. I, I do. I, I, I ignorantly, optimistically feel confident about this game. I truly do. I think that the Hoosiers can pull it out at home. They can beat anyone at home. It's 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 Assembly Hall. It's a it's a it's a place of wonder. And when the hall's rocking, like there there's nothing like it. It's going to be a ludicrous scene Saturday. We could be oh we could be zero oh and ten, and I'd imagine it'd be a ludicrous scene Saturday. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And I have faith in our guys to be able to take it to Kansas on our own on our home floor. Oddly enough, after I just sat through that Atlanta game against Auburn, I still have confidence in these guys. There is a lot to like on this team, and once it gets rolling, it's going to be dangerous. With that preview in the book, let's get you a, let's get you a Hoosier history hit, and then we'll get you on out of here. This is your Hoosier history hit. So a little different Hoosier history hit today, as uh, I was just looking for something that kind of intertwined with Kansas and Indiana, but I found, I stumbled upon a KUBuckets.com, which is a Kansas University, the University of Kansas, because it's KU. They're so dumb how they do that. I think it's University of Kansas, but everything says KU. And this KU message board says, I, I stumbled upon this this post titled, I am incensed by a quote I found attributed to James Naismith. And if you guys know what I, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. If you know anything about James Naismith and his connection to Indiana and just his words regarding Indiana. But this uh, Kansas fan, Jay Bait 1.0. Now, now, yeah, this, this post is from December 16th, 2017, where Jay Bate said, I didn't think it could get any worse than losing two straight at AFH and Sprint, but I was wrong. I just searched for inspirational quotes from James Naismith and found the following. For those of you that don't know, this is me talking right now. James Naismith is the inventor of basketball. He coached at Kansas once basketball got really going in the collegiate level. I mean, I say got really going, but it's nothing, <laughs> nowhere near it is right now. Nowhere near it is today. And he's, he's, a, he's a Kansas basketball legend. Okay, yeah. Just, just so you know where this is all coming from in this uh, angry Kansas's fan mind. He said, I just searched for inspirational quotes from James Naismith and found the following. Basketball really had its origin in Indiana, which remains the center of the sport. Credited to James Naismith. WTF. Was Jimmy trying to get a pay increase in a new job at IU? I don't believe this quote. When and where and why did he say this? Help me, help me, help me. I think I am going insane. This has to be some KU-hating degenerates idea of a joke. I don't believe anyone in Indiana would ever be capable of doing such a thing. Yes, they think they play better basketball, and that is their right. But this quote above is blasphemy. Who are the blasphemers? Round up the usual suspects. Fizura, Silotech, Kinsucky, Dick Vitale. Who is it? Not even Steve Bannon nor John Podesta would stoop this low. These are fighting words. These are bring down fire and fury words. If Naismith really said this, then why, oh, why did Daddy say that? 
board rats, this has to be researched and either debunked or understood for the sake of basketball history and the legacy. Rock chalk. And May J shared a story from The Cradle of Basketball by Jason Crow from the summer of 1995 issue of Indiana Basketball History magazine. He, he shared that on a comment on this post, which read, It was in 1891 when James Naismith invented the game of basketball for his physical education class at YMCA in Springfield, Massachusetts. They played with a pair of peach baskets and an old soccer ball. It was just a year later when Reverend Nichols McKay, Nicholas McKay brought the game to Indiana. McKay was taking charge of a Crawfordsville YMCA. He felt this new game of basketball might help keep Hoosier athletes active in their winter months. McKay hired a local blacksmith to forge two hoops. He attached old coffee sacks to catch the ball, and an Indiana tradition was born. It didn't take long for this sport to catch on, with players from Crawfordsville spreading the word about this new game of hoops to nearby communities as the game spread innovations began to, began to appear, like backboards to keep partisan fans in the balconies from interfering with the visitor's shots and bottomless nets, so the ball no longer needed to be pushed out with a pole. God, that had to be exhausting to watch. Although Naismith had published 13 original rules to govern his game, the actual interpretation of the rules varied widely among Indiana communities. By 1911, the state had a state high school basketball tournament, won by none other than the team from Crawfordsville. In 1913 and 1914, the state saw its first back-to-back champions from Wingate High School, a team led by 6-foot-4-inch Homer Stonebreaker. What a name. Sorry. Also, me speaking, what a name, Homer Stonebreaker. Story goes on to say it was Homer Stonebreaker. It was said that, story goes on to say, it was said that Homer Stonebreaker could launch his shot from anywhere in the gymnasium with deadly accuracy. Teams from Thorntown, Lebanon, and Lafayette Jefferson dominated the sport in early years. And through the 1920s and 1930s, basketball began to grow throughout the state, earning converts in schools from Evansville to Gary. And the state tournament grew as well. In 1925, James Naismith himself visited Indiana to see what enthusiasm his game had inspired among Hoosiers. He watched the state finals among 15,000 screaming fans of Hoosier hysteria. Later, he wrote, Basketball really had its origin in Indiana, which remains the center of the sport. And I wanted to share that just rebuttal from the other Kansas fan who shared that with Jay Bates' first initial post, because I wanted to really share Jay Bates' reaction to that explanation to him. Uh, where he commented back on this comment and said, I have to say I'm skeptical of this Indiana historian's take and of Naismith's opinions, and I apologize if that sounds presumptuous or arrogant. I will try to explain. As Soltz Hennison said, we never understand our own experiences until long afterwards, if ever. I suspect Naismith had a great deal of trouble making sense of what exactly he had done and why his game had gone off in so many directions that he could neither control nor approve of, given his professional standing over time. The game developed fastest on the East Coast. Professional basketball arguably outstripped amateur basketball in development and popularity during the first 30 years after 1891. I suspect amateur high school basketball probably reached probably reached an early ubiquity in Indiana ahead of other places, but I have never read anything documenting that. And it likely galled Naismith that professional basketball staged by vaudeville, prize fighting, and gambling promoters outstripped the popularity of amateur basketball almost immediately. Naismith was an academic, a scholar, a osteopathic doctor, an amateur athletic administrator, and a minister. It was likely that Naismith wanted to view Indiana as being the origin of the kind of basketball that his game ought to be. But that is quite different than how and where most of the sport originated. The game flourished most and soonest in the big cities of the East, as a professional sport promoted to be gambled on. Some players were making livings at the game by the late 1890s. Now listen, this is a Hoosier history hit, but I don't, I don't know if any of this is correct. These are message board comments that I just found, I found his rebuttal pretty funny. By the 1919, by the 19, 
teens, professional basketball was very popular in most of the big cities on the Northeast and the Great Lakes regions. Its second greatest early popularity centered in the YMCA and club teams of the East. The Buffalo Germans were the greatest amateur team of their early era and formed at the Buffalo, New York YMCA in 1895. They won the Pan Am Games in 1901 and the Olympics in 1904. Indiana State High School basketball did not even have a state championship until 1911. It was early for high school basketball, but it was late coming in comparison to professional and club basketball. Now I want to inject my speculation about Naismith's take on the game. It got away from him immediately. He favored amateur sports and could not shape either its club amateurism or its professional development. A minister and an academic, it did not look respectable being the father of a professional sport run for gambling. He always distanced, him, he always distanced himself from the pro and club sides of the game and tried to help it flourish in college amateurism and apparently from this quote, call, tried to call attention to high school amateurism too. This Indiana historian talking about the one who wrote the, talking about Jason Crow who wrote The Cradle of Basketball in that issue of Indiana Basketball History Magazine, this Indiana historian did not even understand Naismith enough to know that Naismith was an athletic director for many years and let his, lent his reputation and influence to promoting college amateur basketball on many occasions. Naismith definitely was not indifferent to the development of the game he invented. His problem was that after having lost control of it, and having seen it become a fairly sleazy activity on many levels, he had to protect his professional standing by being very selective about how much and in what ways he promoted his affiliation with the game. Basically, he goes on to just try to <laughs> reason his way out of any other comment that somebody has to say about why James Naismith said this about Indiana. But I just, yeah, I just found a, I just stumbled upon that and wanted to share that on the show today. Just at Kansas, KUBuckets.com, a message board for Kansas fans discussing and, uh, trying to reason with themselves why Naismith called Indiana the creator, the center of the sport, the origin of basketball. Got a nice kick out of that. <laughs> a, di a different style Hoosier history hit for you today, but uh, a Hoosier history hit nonetheless. Okay. And upon further review, this dude is saying that, uh, that the Buffalo team won the Olympics in 1904. Um, basketball wasn't introduced until the 1936 Olympics. So that, everything I just read to you was the mad tirade of a man trying to defend the fact that uh, their basketball daddy said... Indiana is the originator. Indiana is the OG. So, yeah, I just got a kick out of that, and uh, I wanted to share that with you guys. Thank you so much for listening to The Often Daunted today. I appreciate the hell out of you guys giving me the time of your day, giving me a listen. Um, I don't get nothing out of this. I do this as a hobby. I just, I just I do it for the love of the game. I love this program. I want to talk about them. I, uh, I wanted to provide an eighth hour for all those who are just craving Hoosier content out there. There are great podcasts out there all around. Yeah, I just like to throw my hat in the ring and uh, give you something to listen to when, again, you are just chomping at the bit until the next Hoosier game. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't followed me on on anything, really, again, everything at Often Daunted, I am going to be recording this, re this next recap for the Kansas game the following Monday. So, like, my birthday's coming up this weekend, and we have some plans for the game and just other Christmas festivities. It's crazy. I guess Jesus' birthday is more important than mine, but nonetheless, I'm going to I'm gonna get this episode recorded Monday night, so it'll be out Tuesday morning for you, the Kansas recap. Thank you again for the patience on that. I, 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 I usually want to put them out the next morning, but with the family, with everything else, sometimes it's just hard. This is a one-man operation, so thanks for your patience. Auburn game is behind us. Kansas is on the forefront. Thank you so much. God bless you and yours. Down with the Jayhawks. Go Hoosiers. Lux at Veritas. Have a great one, guys.